Good morning and happy Easter to you. This morning we're going to look together at Luke chapter 24 and the story of the road to Emmaus. Can I encourage you to have a Bible open? Have your Bible open. Luke chapter 24 verse 13 is where we'll be starting through to verse 35. Let's pray. We'll ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you for the great news that Jesus is risen. We pray that you help us to understand your word now, understand um, the wonderful news of who Jesus is and what he's done. And please uh, fill us with confidence in him and uh, give us great uh, wisdom as we seek to live for our risen Lord. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of years ago, I was teaching a weekly Easy English Bible study. It's an interesting group. It's part of our um, church's Connect Women Bible Study Ministry. And in this group, we had ladies from Brazil, Thailand, Japan, Korea, and China. Nearly all of them weren't Christians. Each week, we'd look together at the Bible, and each week, we would think together about the good news of Jesus. After a few months, these ladies they were able to clearly enunciate the gospel. They could tell you in no uncertain terms that they're sinners. They haven't loved and obeyed God as he deserves. They could clearly explain how Jesus died in their place to pay for their sin. They could explain how Jesus rose again from the dead. They knew we can't be saved by doing good things. They knew we can only be saved by Jesus alone. They knew exactly how to become a Christian. They could tell you the very words they needed to pray. They also knew, uh, they also knew all kinds of reasons why Christianity is true, we thought about. The evidence for the existence of God. We thought about the reality of right and wrong. We thought about uh, the evidence for Jesus' resurrection. And they also knew what's at stake in becoming a Christian. I felt I went pretty hard on this. They knew that Judgment Day is coming and they knew they they face a choice. On Judgment Day, they can stand before God bearing the consequences of their own sin, bearing God's anger on their sin, or on Judgment Day, they can be saved from God's anger through Jesus. These ladies, they knew it. They could explain it as clear as day, what a Christian is, what the evidence is, what's at stake, And yet not one of them became a Christian. Not even one. Each week, to my constant amazement, they kept coming back to Bible study. And each week they remained unconverted. I have to say, I found it it weird. I mean, I have the same evidence they have. And to me, it seems so obvious. Of course I need to rely on Jesus. And yet for some reason... They they couldn't see it. I had a similar experience uh, with Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. Back in 2008, I was struggling with all kinds of doubts. Uh, But then I I read Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God, and it really helped me. Uh, Keller, he, he kind of picked apart my doubts and showed how they were unfounded. He then presented a case for Christianity that I found utterly compelling, irrefutable from what I could see. And I thought to myself, this book is the answer. And so I I gave it to my dad and I made him read it. I studied the reason for God with a couple of non-Christian blokes in the congregation here. I I gave it to a number of non-Christian friends. 
these people, they read the book, they saw the evidence, and with just one exception, none of them were converted. Again, I couldn't understand it. It seemed so clear to me. The evidence for Jesus is so compelling, and yet somehow they couldn't see it. Yeah, have you ever experienced something like that? It's, it's obvious to you that Christianity is real. The more you learn about it, the more obvious it is. The more you live, the more it makes total sense of your life. But you try to share it with someone, and it just has no impact. It's like they're blind. They can't see it. They don't get it. It's frustrating, isn't it? Strange phenomenon. Well, Luke chapter 24, it's the third day since Jesus was crucified, the very first Easter Sunday. A number of women go to Jesus' tomb. They go there to perform traditional burial rites on his dead body. When they get there, they find that the stone covering the tomb has been rolled away and the tomb is empty. Two angels appear to the women. They say, what Jesus has been telling you has come true. He told you he'd be crucified and on the third day he'd rise again. Well, say the angels, that's what's happened. The women run and tell the disciples. Disciples don't believe them. But Peter heads to Jesus' tomb and he finds a strange thing. The strips of linen that Jesus' body had been wrapped in are lying there empty. The body is gone. If you think about it, there's plenty of good evidence here. Lots of evidence to believe that Jesus has risen. Uh, the disciples, they have Jesus' word on it. He told them that's what would happen. They have the angel's word. They told them that's what's happened. Uh, they have the empty tomb. They have the linen cloth lying there. But yet at this stage, they don't believe. As we come to our passage, it's uh, the same day, still the first Easter Sunday. Two of Jesus' followers are heading to a village called Emmaus. And an amazing thing happens. Jesus himself comes and joins them. The same Jesus who was killed three days before. He is alive again and he joins them for a stroll and a chat. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Have a look with me. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Just think about the evidence that these followers of Jesus now have. They have Jesus' word telling them that he would rise again. They have the angel's word saying that Jesus has risen. They have the empty tomb. They have the linen cloths. And now they have Jesus himself right before their very eyes. But there's a problem. There's a problem. Luke tells us they were kept from recognising him. Somehow they were, they were blinded to the reality that was walking right along beside them. Verse 16. But they were kept from recognising him. What's, what's going on here? Why can't the disciples recognise Jesus? Maybe he looked different. Maybe they were so 
grief-stricken that they weren't thinking straight. Maybe they just totally were not expecting to see Jesus alive. I mean, no one ever rises from the dead. How could you possibly expect to be seeing him? Although it does say there that they were kept from recognising him. And that sounds like someone is actively stopping them, doesn't it? So, so who's doing it? Is, is it God? Is it, is it the devil? It's hard to know. But someone keeps them from recognising Jesus. As they walk along, Jesus asks them what they're talking about and they tell him what they know. Verse 17, he asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They, they went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. In reply, Jesus doesn't take them through all of this evidence. Instead, what he does, he talks about the Bible. He talks about how if they understood and believed the message of the Old Testament, then they would realise. If they understood the Old Testament, they would know that the Messiah... God's king, he had to die and rise again. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and, and then enter his glory? And then Jesus does a Bible study with them. He takes them through the Old Testament and he shows how it all points to him. Verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. What do you reckon Jesus showed them? Maybe Genesis, like we've been doing the last few weeks? Uh, maybe he showed them how the world was created good, but people sinned, they disobeyed God and, and brought death into the world and how that death penalty needs to be paid. Maybe he talked to them about the, the Passover, the, the sacrifice and God's judgment passing over. Maybe he talked about the, the temple and the priesthood and the sacrifices there. Or, or maybe he talked about King David, took them through them, some psalms about how David suffered on his way to the throne. Maybe he showed them Isaiah 53 and how we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Notice though, verse 27, that all the scriptures concern Jesus. Uh, the disciples and Jesus, they reach Emmaus. The disciples ask Jesus to join them for dinner. He agrees. And then as they start to eat, their, their eyes are opened. Suddenly they're able to realise who this is. They can recognise Jesus and then he disappears. Verse 28. 
As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for, for it's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Uh, the disciples start remembering and talking about what an amazing Bible study they had had with Jesus. I mean, whoa, I've been to a few good Bible studies in my time, but I wish I could have been in that Bible study, don't you? Even if I could only zoom in, that would have been an amazing Bible study with Jesus. Verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and, and opened the scriptures to us? And then they, they, they race back to Jerusalem to, to tell everyone what they've seen and heard. And, and they, they tell the 11 apostles that they've seen Jesus risen from the dead and alive again. And by this stage, the, the other apostles, uh, they know more information as well. Jesus has appeared to Simon Peter as well. And, and finally, with all this evidence, with their eyes opened, the disciples are starting to believe. Verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Okay. You see, it was here then in Luke chapter 24. It's the first Easter Sunday. Two disciples on their way to Emmaus. The risen Jesus joins them. They are kept from recognizing him. Jesus does a Bible study with them, shows them how the whole Bible points to him, joins them for a meal. Then their eyes are opened. They realize it's Jesus race back, report to the 11 apostles who tell them Jesus has also appeared to Peter. Wow, amazing story, hey? All right. Well, let's think about applying this story to ourselves. There are three things for us to think about, three application points. Uh, first, there's just the fact that Jesus is alive. Uh, second, the way the whole Bible points to Jesus. And then third, the fact that we need to have our eyes opened. Jesus is alive, the whole Bible points to Jesus, and we need to have our eyes opened. Let's have a look at each point in turn. First, Jesus is alive. Do you know what, friends? The evidence is compelling. It's compelling. These eyewitnesses, they heard Jesus teach. They were with him. They heard him say over and over again that he would be crucified but then rise again from the dead on the third day. They saw Jesus die on the cross. They then saw that the tomb was empty. The body had gone, leaving just the grave cloths. The angels told them the message, Jesus has risen. And then person after person after person after person saw Jesus alive. The women, Peter, the people on the way to Emmaus, all the disciples. In fact, the Bible tells us 
more than 500 people saw Jesus alive again. These were people who were there. As the Apostle John put it, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. These people, they were there. They were in a position to know the truth. And they had nothing to gain from lying about what they'd seen and heard. In fact, far from gaining from it, most of the apostles ended up facing terrible persecution. They were whipped. They were imprisoned. They were stoned. They were tortured. They were murdered, even crucified. And yet, there is no evidence anywhere of any of the eyewitnesses ever recanting. Not one of them ever said, sorry, please don't crucify me. I didn't really see Jesus alive again. Just a bit of a hoax. No, 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 no. Every single one of them went to the very end, to the bitter end, saying, we cannot help telling you what we have seen and heard. No, no. They were in a position to know the truth. And even though they suffered for telling the truth, they all stuck to the story. Friends, I reckon the evidence is compelling. Jesus really is alive. And friends, that makes him different. It makes him different to Buddha. It makes him different to Muhammad. It makes him different to anyone on the internet or the TV. It means Jesus knows what he's talking about. It means Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is the King, the Messiah. He did die for our sin and rise again. He is the only one who can save us from God's anger on Judgment Day. He is the only one who can give us a place in God's new creation. Jesus is alive. And that means death is not the end. It means that coronavirus is not the final word. It means that life has meaning and and purpose and a happy ending. Friends, it's the good news of Easter Sunday and it really is the best news of all, isn't it? Something to celebrate. Jesus is alive that brings us to application point number two point two the whole bible points to jesus but the whole bible tells us about how he died and rose again from the dead to save us it's not just that eyewitnesses saw jesus alive for more than a thousand years before jesus god had been revealing his plan in his rescue of israel in the system of temple and priest and sacrifice, in the history of King David and the other kings, in in the words of the prophets, for more than a thousand years, God had been revealing that Jesus would come. For more than a thousand years, God had been revealing that Jesus would die for our sins and rise again to glory. Friends, uh, this passage, it shows us how how to read the Bible to start with. We, we, We need to... Read all of the Bible with Jesus in mind. We need to always ask ourselves the same question. What does this passage teach me about Jesus? But but more than just showing us how to read the Bible, again, this is compelling. 
How is it that Jesus could so accurately fulfill all of the types, all of the prophecies from, from hundreds and hundreds of years before he was even born? Answer? How is it possible? Only because Jesus is who he claims to be. He is the Messiah, the only Saviour and King. That was point number two. The whole Bible points us to the truth about Jesus being the risen King and Saviour. And that brings us to our final point, application point number three. Uh, people need to have their eyes opened. 30 years ago or so, I had a mate who I used to do karate with. I'm going to call him Fred. Uh, Fred was a, a black belt in karate, and he was a very, very handsome man. A thin, muscular body, uh, olive complexion. He had kind of long, flippy black hair. All the girls used to swoon over Fred. Anyway, the other day, I was walking up to Chatswood Station, and this fat, bald bloke grabs me by the shoulder. I say, can I help you? And he says, Jeff, it's me, Fred. Do you remember me? I said, Fred? He said, mate, you haven't changed a bit. I said, thanks. <laughs> Here in Luke 24, the disciples couldn't recognise Jesus, even though he was standing right in front of them. It had nothing to do with him being fat and bald, though. No, no, they, they, they were kept from recognising Jesus. They, they couldn't recognise him until their eyes were opened. And you know what the Bible says? That all people are in a similar position. We are what the Bible calls dead in sin. We cannot put our faith in Jesus unless God makes us alive again, unless he gives us new birth, unless he enables us. We, we can't see who Jesus is unless God opens our eyes. Uh, Paul talks about this uh, very clearly and very hopefully in his second letter to the Corinthians. And he talks about how we need to respond in light of this reality. So just jump with me. Jump with me in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now start, we're going to start in the first verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. There you go. You got it there? 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Let me read Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God for what we preach is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus sake for God who said let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ can you see what's going on here uh, verse 4 the God of this age is at work. Who is that? The devil? Or is it just materialism and the stuff of this world? Either way, this God has blinded people's minds 
So they cannot believe the truth about Jesus. They just, they can't see it. The only way anyone can believe is if God works a miracle. Like at the beginning, when God said, let there be light, let light shine into darkness. He needs to work a miracle in our hearts. Verse 6, he needs to shine his light in our hearts so we can recognize who Jesus is. It requires a gracious miracle of God for anyone to put their faith in Jesus. We can have all the evidence in the world. We can listen to arguments until the cows come home. But in order to realize who Jesus is and to put our faith in him, we need God to open our eyes. So, what did the apostles do? First one, they didn't lose heart. They didn't give up. They kept on going. Verse 2, they didn't try to trick anyone. They didn't try to change the message to make it more palatable. No, no. They, they just kept on patiently telling people the truth as clearly as they could and then they loved and they served people in Jesus' name. I have to say, this, this, this rings true to my own experience. I was telling you about it before. It's what I saw in my Easy English group. It's what I saw with Tim Keller's book. Unless God opens people's eyes, they won't get it. They won't see the obvious. They can't put their faith in Jesus. But you know what, friends? God can and does open the eyes of his people. He's graciously opened your eyes. He's graciously opened my eyes. And he's still graciously doing it in this world. And so, friends, don't lose heart. Don't, don't, don't give up. Just keep telling people the truth about Jesus. Faithfully. Clearly. Prayerfully. Backing it up by your life. Lovingly. Backing it up by serving people. Friends, can, can you see the truth this Easter Sunday? Do you know that Jesus is alive? Is he your king? Is he your saviour? Well then, thank God. Thank God for opening your eyes. And, and keep on prayerfully sharing the good news about him. This Easter and, and all year round... Because God can and will open the eyes of his people so they can see the glorious news that Jesus is risen, that he is the King and Saviour. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you because you raised Jesus from the dead. We thank and praise you because you gave convincing evidence that this is true. And we thank and praise you that you have opened blind eyes brought to new life, dead hearts, so that sinful people like us can put our faith in Jesus. Our Father, would you please continue to work in us by your spirit so that we trust Jesus all of our days. Will you please give us strength to faithfully tell others about him as well at Easter and all year. And we pray that we might have the joy of seeing other people's eyes opened by your grace as we explain the good news of Jesus, our risen King, to them. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.